Alrighty, everybody. Good afternoon. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Wednesday, and uh, week number four in the NFL season is about to kick off tomorrow night with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, Wiz, uh, there is a lot of stuff going on, as per usual, in the NFL injuries. Uh, I, I definitely have some, some strong thoughts about some of the things that occurred in week number three and kind of the way things are trending, but uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. How are you doing? Yeah, doing well. Getting ready getting, getting ready for week four. Uh, last week's podcast, as far as the bets go, uh, very, very good. Uh, <clears throat> in terms of the games, you were 2-0, I was 4-0, and uh, hopefully we'll continue that uh, into week four. Yeah, I, I, I know lines came out today in uh, a couple of pools that I do. I, I haven't taken a close look at them yet. Uh, but yeah, we'll definitely do so, and we want to keep that momentum going. I, I, I will say this, Wiz, the, the strongest thought I have, and, and, and maybe we've kind of been spoiled over the last couple of years with some of the success of the young quarterbacks in the NFL, but you know, watching those games this weekend, and, and if you could even try to watch some of them, because I, I, at this point in time, I'm not how much sure some of the coaches are going to be uh, keeping their jobs, particularly what's going on in Chicago, but you know, what strikes me is you have situations that have arisen uh, on certain teams where the offensive line protection is just nowhere to be found. And you have very young quarterbacks without a lot of experience uh, basically being thrown to the Lions. And uh, it's an ugly, ugly mix. And we look at uh, kind of the results of Zach Wilson. I think Jacksonville, obviously what's going on there, the Chicago Bear offensive line is just absolutely abysmal. And actually what this means for players like David Montgomery and Allen Robinson, you know, th- this could be a long-term issue. Uh, you know, it's quite interesting. I found that the Giants tried to protect themselves a little bit from what's happened on their offensive line where they actually started moving Daniel Jones very quickly out of the pocket. It's made a little bit of a difference, by the way. They're going to start their fourth left guard in four games because of injuries. So I I just think, you know, this kind of immediate success that – Maybe a guy like Justin Herbert spoiled us with last year and the expectations that have kind of been thrown at us with, with the way quarterbacks have been going early in the drafts. But but it's a meaningful impact on, on, on fantasy, uh, obviously on, on football in general. Uh, you know, heads are going to roll, like I said. I think in Chicago that's a big problem. But, but boy, it, it's tough to watch some of these teams offensively right now. Yeah, when you have a combination where, you know, some teams have a poor offensive line, the Jets losing Beckton, as I mentioned a few times, is just a killer for them with a rookie quarterback, a key rookie running back, a key rookie, a rookie wide receiver on the Jets as well. Um, you know, I, I thought I thought the two players that were in the best position to really succeed uh, were Trey Lance and Mac Jones because, the, you know, the Patriots have a pretty good offensive line and, uh you know, we'll we'll see how that plays out. He's still a rookie, and I, I'm still a believer in Trey Lance when he eventually gets a chance to get in there. I think those players will elevate, and by the second half of the year, he's the he's the one guy that I think can probably stand out above. And uh, even somebody uh, like Jalen Hurts um, is I, when I watch him, I'm just reminded why I did not like him uh, in that spot the Eagles took, and uh, I just think his footwork a lot of time is, is not is not correct and he, he makes some poor throws and poor decisions. So yeah, some of these teams are really going to have to reevaluate their situation uh 
as the season progresses and see what they're going to do as far as their coaching and uh, what they're going to do with their who they feel their quarterback of the future is as well. Yeah, and it's pretty interesting too, Wiz, just looking at some of the standings in the NFL, right? You got the Raiders on top of the AFC West right now. Uh, you have the Bengals on top of the North. Uh, the, since the, the Carolina Panthers are undefeated. The Chiefs are in last place. The Steelers are going the wrong way. The Colts are 0-3. There's some real interesting looks at the standings, right? I know it's early in the season, but uh, you know some of those tre- teams are definitely trending in the wrong direction, and, and others are, are up-and-comers right now. We talked a lot about some of these teams, uh, you know, preseason, and, and that seems to be the way things are shaking out. Look at the Broncos. We talked about how serious they took the preseason, and it has really carried on in, in, into the into the start of the regular season. So in, interesting developments, and, and certainly on the on a fantasy landscape, uh, impactful as well. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, the Broncos have meant business from the first minute of their first preseason game. It's carried over, and uh, with their defense, you know, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, is doing two things. One, we've always known that he's going to make less mistakes than Drew Locke, but he's moving that ball. And uh, unfortunately, it's another receiver down for them. But uh, if they could kind of hold things together until Jerry Judy gets back, um, the Broncos are, are going to be um, a force to be reckoned with because that defense can play. And uh, Teddy Bridgewater has that offense playing uh playing playing well and the last thing i want to get into just before we we get into the wave of wire and we're going to talk about thursday night football here as well but you know the importance of handcuffs and 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 we had mentioned during the the preseason stuff that you know one of the most valuable guys out there was alexander madison and if something would have happened to dalvin cook what it would mean and we saw an example of that this week you know i'm in a position where in a couple of leagues i do own alexander madison i've actually tried to trade him to dalvin cook owners uh, not to not to much success i thought it was very important for cook owners to have a player like Madison, and he certainly proved uh, very valuable this week with a tremendous effort uh, with Cook out. But, but again, you know, handcuffs in certain instances, Wiz, and I think you know Madison being one of them. Uh, I would argue that Tony Pollard, who's who's definitely got standalone value at this point in time, the way the Cowboys are using him, you know, there, there is an important aspect of that. I know some people don't really believe in that sort of thing, but I think in certain instances it makes a material difference. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to that, I'm I'm not so much <clears throat> concerned about getting the handcuff to my starting running back. I'm more worried about. I mean, I'm more concerned about getting with a guy if he gets his opportunity, who's going to be able to get in there and do something about it. And Alexander Madison, if he gets his chance, he's going to do something about it. <clears throat> you see these situations. I mean, if you have Derrick Henry, I mean, you're just not so. It's not such a big deal to get the to get the backup because they're not going to do that much. It's going to be kind of a split situation, but um, <clears throat> Alexander Madison, if he gets his opportunity, is a good player. I mean, he runs and he plays uh, kind of like Dalvin Cook. Um, so the Vikings <clears throat> are really set at that position. Yep, I don't disagree with anything you said. Okay, so so let's get into wave of wire for this week, Wiz. Um, let's start at quarterback. I mean, you know, again, when we talk about wave of wires, uh, you know, depth of depth of your rosters and and size of your league mm-hmm. is a material impact, right? So in most leagues, we're thinking that there's ten or twelve teams that are going on uh, somewhere between sixteen and eighteen players on the roster. Uh, when you looked at the quarterback position, Wiz, is there anything that was intriguing to you in terms of wa- potential guys that are hanging on on wave of wires in, in your yeah, I mean, just in leagues maybe where somebody's kind of like giving up on Kirk Cousins <clears throat> or he's available, he's an interesting guy. The Vikings seem to find themselves in this kind of position 
where he's throwing the ball and he has these really good fantasy games uh, sometimes. And uh, I, I think he's just a perfect backup. I mean, he's just not a guy that you can necessarily count on week in, week out. But as far as a backup or a streaming option, <clears throat> he's, I feel, one of the best out there uh, if he's available in your league. Uh, I'm sure most leagues have a lot of the rookies scattered about. And the only thing I would advise in that is if you could pick up Trey Lance and kind of hold on him um, until he gets in there the second half of the year, I would advise that. The other rookies, I just feel, are going to have their ups and downs and struggle for most of the year. Yeah, so it's interesting you say that, Wiz. In one of my leagues, what I've decided to do is I, I, I have, so I have Lance on my roster, and I've basically been streaming quarterbacks to start the season. Week one, I started Jameis Winston. Week two, I started Sam Darnold. Uh, right now, I'm contemplating going into the waiver wire and pick up somebody like Tyler Henneke for the matchup against the Colts. But I'm basically streaming that option on, on the best available guy in terms of matchups, and that's the way I'm doing it, uh, waiting for Trey Lance to get his opportunity. You mentioned Heineke. I think they're playing the Falcons, not the Colts. Oh, I meant the Falcons. Yes, that's correct. Yep, yep, that's correct. Yep. Yeah, and that's a, yeah, that's a, that, that's a fine one. That offense looks good. And then on top of everything that, I think Curtis Samuel is looking like he may be coming back shortly. Yep. Yeah, and, and then you know, so so let, let's so so I don't have anything more to say about uh, quarterbacks, quite frankly. And let, let's get into running backs. So McCaffrey hurt in the last game. Uh, I think some prudent McCaffrey owners do own do own a player like Chuba Hubbard. Uh, he's probably available in some leagues. He's probably not. He will be one of those hot pickups. Uh, we saw the news on James White today, uh, so I'm curious to see how you think that will play out. Whether it be JJ Taylor or we'll find us, we'll finally get uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Out out of the Bill Belichick doghouse. I, I, you know, I, those are two guys that I'm kind of looking at on the waiver wire at the running back position. Uh, Peyton Barber, depending on what happens uh, with with uh, Josh Jacobs, I think that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, so those are the players that I'm kind of looking at the running back position with. How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I think you kind of said it all. Um, Hubbard is one of these guys who looks like he's going to get the lion's share of the carries. That kind of looks to me like a 65-35 split between Hubbard and Royce Freeman until McCaffrey gets back. It's a hamstring injury. Those things are always tricky, so you're not quite sure. Um, boy, if you had Josh Jacobs and your handcuff was Kenyon Drake, you're kind of disappointed, right, by what took place with Peyton Parver getting so many carries. Uh, I'm assuming Jacobs is not going to miss that much more time, <clears throat> but Barber is someone I think you have to kind of look like if you're in a, in, in a, in a, in a desperate um, situation for the week. I mean, I feel like uh, the Jacobs thing is going to be tricky because I think he may not miss weeks and weeks at a time, but he's going to be, I feel one of these guys who, is going to be questionable to doubtful a lot of the weeks during the season. And uh, if it continues the way it did in week three, uh, Peyton Barber uh, has to be someone that fa factors in as well. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. And how about the New England situation? You know, how do you kind of see that playing out with, with, with White now being out for the season, which is, a, which is a big blow to the Patriots, quite frankly? I just have this feeling, and I know it's probably the longest shot at this point, I just feel at some point Ramondre Stevenson is going to end up on top of that depth chart, <clears throat> that running back before the season's over. He's clearly 
the best pass catcher left on the roster. He's better at pass protection than Damian Harris is right now. Um, so I, I think that anytime you have a situation with a rookie quarterback and you don't trust the running back and they had to pick up protection, that's always a problem. So we've seen this before. I think it's going to be a week to week situation with Taylor Stevenson and Damian Harris. Uh, but I just have this gut feeling that Ramondre Stevenson at some point <clears throat> is going to get to the top of the depth chart for the Patriots running back room. Yeah, I, I, and I'm not going to fight you on it. Uh, you know, we'll see kind of how that shakes out, but he's got to get out of that Belichick doghouse, that's for certain. Um, so, you know, let, let, let's move on. Actually, the one player I do want to talk about who I don't think by now should be on any waiver wires, I know we kind of joke about this player over the years, but Kadaro Patterson is, is definitely got a major role in, in that Falcon offense. Yeah, I don't think, I don't, I don't think Kadaro Patterson is really on any waiver wires unless you're playing in a type of league where, you know, you're only starting like eight guys or something like that. Yeah, I think he's really rostered, I would probably say, in, you know, 80% of leagues at this point. Okay. Yep. Very good. All right. So, Wiz, let's go to receiver. I think the one guy uh, on, on my list, again, who should not be on any waiver wires at this point in time, uh, KJ Hamler out for the year. We know Judy's still fighting with that uh, high ankle sprain. Tim Patrick should have been picked up a couple of weeks ago if he's still on waiver wires. I think that's a player to look at. You mentioned Curtis Samuel. Uh, I'll mention Bateman on Baltimore. Two guys coming off IRs. I think those are guys that you need to look at. And, you know, it's interesting. In different leagues, Wiz, it seems like the Raider guys are kind of hanging around on waiver wires. All three of them are contributing at times. The, the Raiders pass happy attack so far in the first three weeks of the season. You know, it's kind of mixed in terms of the results. Probably, probably the most consistent performer is Renfro, especially in PPR league. Uh, there seems to be some debate there, and, and those three guys are kind of hanging around uh, on waiver wires. And then the other guy I'd mention is Zacchaeus on, on, on Atlanta, who got his nose in the end zone, uh, gauges out. Uh, I know it's you know not the sexiest pick in the world, but if you're desperate for a receiver, he's a guy I think that could have some value this coming week. Yeah, I'm going to mention two other players as well. It seems Emmanuel Sanders has kind of pushed Gabriel Davis to the side, and uh, you know, I think if you could get yourself part of that Buffalo Bills offense, then go ahead and do that. I think Emmanuel Sanders is one of these guys who's just a terrific route runner. And, um, and you know, when you're playing with Diggs and Beasley, there's a lot of room to operate. Um, and he's going to he's, he's gonna do his fair share of good work this year. So I think he's a receiver that is probably available in a lot of leagues. And then there's one other player that I just have to mention, and this is a receiver that you have really been high on, especially last year, but I just feel he needs to be talked about is, you know, going into this season, you know, of course, DeAndre Hopkins is just a top five wide receiver on everyone's list. There was talk that A.J. Green looked like the player he was his first few years in the league. And then there was a lot of, a lot of hype on Rondell Moore as well. And, you know, I don't have any problem with any of those guys, but, but Christian Kirk is just one of these guys who he just plays. And it just seems to me that, Kyler Murray has a tremendous amount of confidence in Christian Kirk and throwing him the ball in big situations. And that's something I look for. It's who do they have confidence in throwing to the player when they need them most in big situations? And for Kyler Murray, the answer is yes, as far as Christian Kirk goes. So, you know, I want a part of any of those Arizona guys if they're available. A.J. Green, it was great to see him have over 100 yards receiving last week. Uh, but Christian Kirk is just, 
he looks terrific and the and and the confidence level that Kyler Murray has in him, he is a priority waiver wire pickup. Uh, I feel if he's available in any league, and uh, I would I would look at him and Emmanuel Sanders as well. Yeah, and Christian Kirk, um, they, uh, him and Kyler Murray played together in college uh, in in Murray's first uh, first run around in college, right? So so there is a relationship there. They're friendly off the field, and then and like you said, there definitely is confidence in 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 the, in the two players for sure. Uh, you know, where's the other thing I think we have to watch for also uh, in Tennessee? I'm not sure we're going to see A.J. Brown or Julio Jones in that game. So Nick Westbrook and, and uh, Chester Rogers are the next two guys. But if you're desperate, you know, those are two guys that you might want to keep in mind as well. Yeah, we'll have to see how the injury stuff plays out. We've see, we, we seen this routine with Julio Jones um, off and on for the last few years. So uh, absolutely in a pretty good matchup against the uh, Jets. So we'll... We'll see how that goes. Yeah, and a tight end whiz. Uh, big game by Conklin. I know he didn't practice today. Uh, it was his first big game of the year. He kind of showed up. Uh, I, I guess the Cowboy debate at this point in time between Schultz and Jarwin is pretty defined at, at the moment that, that Schultz is really going to be the leader at tight end as, as Jarwin definitely comes back from the injury. But there's definitely a lot of trust there with him and, and Dak Prescott. And then I guess the other thing I would ask you is, is there something to be made of this trade of Dan Arnold going from Carolina to Jacksonville, where Jacksonville is definitely using using a tight end in their offense. Six targets for Hollister last week. In week one, we showed O'Shaughnessy get eight targets. Um, and then Tremble, who scored a touchdown in the last game um, against the Houston Texans. You know, is that a meaningful situation with that trade with Henderson uh, move, moving to from Jacksonville to the Panthers to help them as C.J. Horn re- uh, recovers from that uh, f- uh, broken foot? Yeah, the, the perfect word to, to when I look at that situation is monitor. I just have got to monitor that situation for at least a week or two uh, to see to see what's going on there. Uh, but yeah, those are all guys certainly to keep your eye on, and uh, some of the guys have played well, and uh, we'll see if that you know continues to happen. Um, and um, and it's interesting with the Vikings, you know, using the tight end for the first time, basically. Uh, all season, it's, it was it was good to see, and uh, I know a lot of people are looking to pick him up, and I've seen him picked up uh, in a few of my leagues as well on the waiver wires. So uh, I think you kind of like covered all the guys uh, at tight end. All right, sounds good. So let's get into Thursday night football. You know, on on the surface, you know, maybe looking like a little bit of a ho hum game uh, compared to some of the games that we may may have uh, seen so far this year. Uh, the Jaguars are struggling. Urban Meyer, welcome to the NFL. Uh, same thing for Trevor Lawrence. The Cincinnati Bengals are playing well, particularly on the defensive side of the football, uh, which I think is quite interesting. Some young defenders who are playing very very well. Uh, it's a seven and a half point spread. The last I looked, was the Bengals favored. Uh, over-under is 45 in this ball game. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of the setup of this game. The Bengals are playing well. They're going to be without T. Higgins in this ball game. So, Wiz, let's start with the DraftKings slate here. Um, you know, so I, I'm looking at a couple of things. First of all, I think I, I like the Bengals' defense in this particular game. Thursday night, coming back, the home crowd might be excited. I think the Bengals' defense is an interesting play. Um, you know, I, I, as far as, like, kind of like a, a – like a cheap value guy, but that's the one play that I look at that I think is a very cheap value play. Uh, and what are you seeing in this game from a DraftKings perspective, Wiz? Yeah, I mean, as far as DraftKings and looking at the spread and total, you know, I have nothing clever really to say. Uh, I think the line is right. I think the total is about right. Um, 
you know, this is a big game for Cincinnati. This is like, a, you know, an opportunity here that they haven't had in a while to really start, um, you know, where, where they could actually, the hype could catch up. Um, the talent and the, and the results could actually uh, match up with the hype, you know, last year with Burrow and now this year getting Chase. Um, so this is a big game for them. Uh, I'm not quite sure, though, what I make of the line. So I'm going to pass on the line and the total in the game and just watch it from that perspective. And, I, and as far as DraftKings go, yeah, I understand. I just think that the Bengals' defense is probably going to be fairly well-owned because a lot of people are going to have that view. They see that the offensive Lions and the Jags uh, can't hold up. So for me, as far as betting the side and total and from a DraftKings, I just don't have anything clever to say. I'm not going to force my opinion uh, when I don't really have one. So if you have something that you like strongly on DraftKings or the side of total, I think, uh, you know, I would I would um, defer to you if there was something that you just stood out to you. Yeah, no, it's a game that I'm not going to touch either. Um, it's interesting where the line is, but uh, I think the Bengals will win the football game. I'm not sure that they actually cover. Uh, I think I agree with you that, you know, they get a chance to make a statement, to go 3-1 and one, uh, and really wake some eyes up. We, we You talked about this, and, you know, and both of us actually said that we thought the Bengals could kind of make some noise here. And, and so far, that's the case. I mean, they completely manhandled the Steelers. I mean, I think the Steelers are just, a, a, right now, a, a franchise in decline. They just have a lot of issues with that line. Ben Roethlisberger looks to be cooked at this point in time. Uh, but, yeah, the Bengals get a chance to make a real statement here on this Thursday night game. There's one thing I'll add about Thursday night. just always interesting to, you know, to look at this because, boy, I just remember there was a time when home field advantage was just, you know, so – so big and so important and you know how much it mattered and uh through three weeks the thursday night game the road team has covered all three of the games so far yep. so we'll see if any home cooking can happen this week but uh yeah i just i think the line's right and the total's right and all of that stuff so as far as that is concerned i i'm just a complete pass for me Okay, so let's let's move on, on to the prop bets. And it's kind of interesting because there's not a lot of – because of course of all the young players on both sides of the football here, Wiz, there's not a lot of player history to go by, right? Joe Burrows played one game against the Jaguars. He didn't play this – he played one game last year against the Jaguars. Uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence obviously has not played against the Cincinnati Bengals. So there's not a lot of player history when you look here. But uh, are there any player props that are kind of standing out for you this week? Well, in this well, game, in this well, game. Well, one that sticks out for me, and it's a game tomorrow night, it sticks out like a sore thumb to me. I absolutely love this game. I'm really recommending this game. As far as units go, this is a two-unit game, two-unit pick for me. So in week one against the Jags, uh, Ingram had 26 carries, and I believe, including David Johnson and Lindsey, they all combined for over 30 carries. In week two... Um, they played the Broncos, and Williams, Javante Williams and Gordon had 13 carries each for 26 carries. Last week, week three, against the Arizona Cardinals, who do not even really like to run the ball with that air raid offense, uh, Connor and Edmonds, 11 carries each, 22 carries. There's no split backfield as far as the Bengals go. It's all Joe Mixon. The under and over on carries is 19 and a half. 
I think that line is wrong. I think that should be probably around 22 and a half, maybe even 23 and a half. It's tough to find a game script to me watching that, you know, when you watch the game tomorrow where the Bengals are going to be so far out of it, where they're going to be abandoning the running game. All of that said, my prop play tomorrow is Joe Mixon over 19 and a half rushing attempts. I absolutely love it. Uh, that's very strong. And you know, it's funny. I, w- I was looking for a bet for Mixon. Uh, I look at this Thursday night game. The line, I think, on his combined receiving and rushing yards, I think it was 107 and a half. I was a little bit uncomfortable with that number to kind of chase it. Uh, it's funny because I, I felt like there's a chance on a Thursday night maybe a player doesn't get as much action. The interesting part is Mixon only touched the ball 19 times last week against the Steelers. They didn't overuse him in the game. Uh, So I can kind of understand where you're going with this one. I I would expect Mixon to have a very good ball game regardless, but uh, a very interesting side to play from the carry side. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's, it, you know, I, I looked at the yardage. I looked at rushing yards like you did. I looked at total yardage. And, <clears throat> you know, look, I, I think that the line's right. Uh, I think he'll get, you know, it could go over or be right around there. But it, I'm, messing, I'm not messing around with that. I, I just feel teams have been able to run the ball. Teams that don't even like to run the ball uh, use their key running backs over with over 20 attempts. And, you know, Mixon is, is, is just, you know, the workhorse guy there. And uh, I just feel the game script, whatever it's going to be, if it's a, a Bengals big lead or if it's a closed game, the only scenario is where the Jags have a double-digit lead in the second half. And uh, I'm not quite sure that is going to happen. But in any event, I'll take my chances. And, uh, yeah, Joe Mixon over 19 and a half rushing attempts, I feel, is a lead pipe cinch tomorrow night. All right, interesting. So I have a lead pipe cinch as well. Uh, it's only there's only one prop bet I love, and I look at what happened in last week's game where the Steelers against the. If, if I think that the game script goes the way I think it's going to go tomorrow night, uh, we saw what happened with the Steelers and the Bengals last week. Steelers were playing catch up. Najee Harris, 14 catches. Uh, Chase Claypool, 15 targets, nine catches, but you know all dink and dunks. And when I look at the yardage total for Lavisca Chenault, which is currently at 39 and a half. It's a two-unit play for me, Wiz. Over 39.5 yardage, LaVisca Chenault. Based on how they're going to use him in this ballgame, I just see that short passing game the same way that the Pittsburgh Steelers needed to go. I see the same route being taken by the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game. So I love over 39.5 yards receiving for LaVisca Chenault. A two-unit play for me as well, Wiz. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you know, it it makes sense. And, the game goes, you know, the way that we think it's going to go, or at least the Bengals have some kind of a lead. It could lend itself, hopefully, for both of us uh, winning our prop plays. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of LaVisca Chenault, and I'd like to see him play well, and I'd like to see James Robinson play well, and the Jags uh, play well, and for it to be a competitive game. Um, but we'll, we'll see how it goes, and, uh, yeah, I'll be rooting for LaVisca Chenault to, uh, to come through for you, for sure. All right, Wiz, and uh, like you said, you had an outstanding week last week. The only one that you missed last week, Wiz, by, by the way, was a way of an injury to A.J. Brown. So well, well done last week. Uh, Guru and Wiz, Fantasy Football pod- Podcast. We'll be back with all the rest of the week's prop bets and lines uh, later in the week. But that's it for this for this particular uh, podcast. We cover the waiver wires, and we cover the Thursday night football game, Wiz. Uh, I wish you a good evening, and look forward to catching up on the rest of the week's action later. 
Yeah, you got it. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to that.